Welcome to the Lana B. Nasser Vision. I'm a lawyer by day, aspiring entrepreneur by night. My goal with the podcast is to have conversations with people that have had a profound impact on my life in hopes of sparking that fire inside of you. I believe you're one conversation away from your dreams. Shoot your shot and join the tribe. Good morning. I have with me today a dream guest, someone that truly has changed my life. Um, and the goal here is to have conversations with people that have had a profound impact on my life. And this lady next to me has really made 2023 a different world for me. So Lori Wilson, it's a pleasure. Thank you for joining me today. Um, I'd like to Explain who you are a little bit. Um, Lori is the owner of Fertile Turtle Acupuncture in San Diego, California. She is a licensed acupuncturist and practitioner of traditional Chinese medicine. She is licensed by the state of California and nationally certified. Her focus is on providing her patients with thorough, individualized, and comprehensive care, trading a variety of specific conditions and symptoms. Her specialty is fertility, both male and female gynecological, women's health, and various pain conditions. Lori promotes preventative health, wellness, and patient empowerment. Trust me, that's true. She strongly supports the integration of Eastern and Western medicine and is committed to helping people reach their utmost potential in physical, mental, and spiritual health, respecting each individual as a unique being. Lori's education includes a Bachelor in Molecular, Cellular, and Developmental Biology from the University of California, Santa Cruz, a master's of traditional Chinese medicine from Pacific College of Oriental Medicine and studied in Chengdu University of Traditional Chinese Medicine in China. What really ignites Lori's passion is working with her patients. She truly loves what she does and feels honored to be a part of their healthcare team. All very true. Lori, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Very honored, actually, to be invited. I am so grateful that you came. Um, I think, as you know, I've told you once a week that your message needs to be shared with the world because I think you're incredibly unique. Um, and so I look forward to talking to you today and continuing working with you, hopefully the rest of my life. (laughs) Thank you. Lori, today we're here to talk about what you do every day. Um, which I think is, popular, but I don't think it's popularized. I don't know if a lot of people know um, what acupuncture is generally, what it can do for you, um, and the different types of acupuncture. And so I think it's really important to um, have those conversations. And, you know, it hopes that people can have their life change like my life has changed, because frankly, I didn't know. I, I knew acupuncture was putting needles in your body, but I didn't know what it does. I don't know. I didn't Frankly, I probably wasn't a believer. Um, and so I am a believer now. And I um, tell me, what is acupuncture? Yes. So acupuncture is a very old, old traditional medicine. Um, we're about 2,000 to 3,000 years old. Um, it is basically in its simplest form, harmonizing yin and yang by using channels that run throughout the body to bring about balance. It is actually quite simple once you know the theory. 
um, and can be overlaid into any condition that walks through the door. So even though I specialize in fertility, really anyone who walks in my door, because of how simple our system is and complex in many other ways, just from an acupuncture standpoint, knowing channel theory, um, I can treat anyone who walks in the door. So it's not as um, compartmentalized or specialized as Western medicine. Um, we are more generalists. You mentioned it's the, the goal is to receive to achieve the balance of yin, yin, yin and, and yang. Yin. Mm -hmm. What is that? So yin and yang. I'm sure you've seen that. Um, it's like a tai chi symbol. Of it used to be like this, Maui, Maui and Sons. That, yeah, uh, I don't know if you remember know, that. Yeah, yeah. So it's light and dark, heavy and weightless, air and water. It's basically the opposites of nature in balance. One begets the other. And so the more we are in balance, the healthier we are. You know, something that is yin is substantial, it's usually moist, it's heavy. Yang is more energy rather than being substantial. It's light, it's movement. And so in each of us, we have these opposites that sometimes when they get out of balance, then we have dis-ease essentially, which is, um, you know, when we start to show signs of just being sick or pain, pain would be another one. So I don't think I've ever realized that that's how it works. So it's, if we're not in balance, it manifests into all sorts of symptoms. Disharmony. Disharmony. Yeah. And so in Western medicine, a, long a lot of times they talk about homeostasis. Homeostasis is that relatively, that relative balance, either it's within the cell or within the body. Um, from a biological standpoint, you know, we're always trying to reach this homeostasis level. In Chinese medicine, we've always had that. Basically, homeostasis is our yin and yang, and we just want them balanced, essentially. And for women throughout our life, we, we can ebb and flow throughout this yin and yang, just based on, you know, we are children and then we come into menarche, right? When we start getting our period and things shift. When we want to get pregnant, of course, we're also shifting and then menopause. And so throughout this yin yang theory throughout our life, it's constantly changing. And so things like PMS is a disharmony, mm. you know, in Chinese medicine, and I really should be calling it East Asian medicine. That is the new kind of term we are okay. supposed to be using more correct. Okay. Um, we believe that PMS should not exist. Women should go through their cycle each month, skipping along happily, going about their business and be like, oh, there's my period. I had no idea it was starting. That when we're out of balance is when we get PMS. So, oh, you're saying in Eastern Asian medicine, PMS should not exist, meaning because that we should we be should... in harmony the whole time. Yeah, that's basically a sign of disharmony. PMS. Yeah, which is like mind blowing, right? From yeah, a I, I actually standpoint. can't wrap my yeah, head around because... it. To be honest, I'm like, like what? <laughs> you know, and this is one of the things I think since our youth, you know, menstruation is not celebrated in our culture, in Western civilian culture. And, um, it's one of those things that is a, you know, it's a rite of passage. It's a big deal as young women, when we start to menstruate and because right from the beginning, it's kind of, um, taboo. I think that that actually is like the precipice of what we like jump off of. 
with menstruation. And every month we're more frustrated that we have a period because it's inconvenient when actually it's a sign of vitality and health. So I think that that's the beginning of PMS. <laughs> wow. And I'm jumping ahead, but I, you and I, I go to Lori at least once a week, sometimes when I'm in a lot of pain, three times a week. Um, we discussed um, something that I never knew, and that's the, we, we were describing the difference between men and women relative to women being able to shed their, I don't know what the word is, angst is how I would call it once a month, and men don't have that. Can you explain that? Yeah. So, you know, in, in East Asian medicine, we have these exit strategies, whether we have heat or, you know, cause again, we're very simple. We didn't have, uh, microscopes or imaging techniques. You know, we didn't know there was viruses. Um, we had terms for that. External pathogens is what we would call them. Um, illness often was a pathogen. It's actually an evil in our medicine, <laughs> external evils. And the way for them to exit is either, you know, through the bowels, through the urine, through the skin, or through menstruation. So as women, we have this extra, you know, um, perk to being a woman that every month we have this extra exit that whether or not we've had emotions or an illness, you know, <clears throat> during the pandemic and throughout COVID, you know, when my patients get COVID, a lot of times they'll start their periods earlier. And same with the vaccine. And it is coming out now that research is showing that it has an effect on the period. You know, for us, it's an extra way to detox, essentially. Anything that could have been with that pathogen or with that vaccine or with, you know, your emotions each month, depending on what's happening with you, we get this exit that releases pressure and allows us to detox part of our month. Whereas men don't have that really, you know, they have to find other exits for them. So are you saying, obviously the our, our period is time is on a schedule? Ideally. Ideally. Not everyone okay. is. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but for, with COVID, for example, your body is protecting you by, which is why Correct. you're getting your period. It is a way for us to basically release heat. One of the vehicles to release heat is through the blood. This is why a lot okay. of times when um, we've had some sort of fever or some other sort of illness that's hot, we might bleed a little bit more, meaning we might get nosebleeds or maybe our gums bleed. Um, bleeding is a way. <clears throat> Back in the day, a long time ago, we used to actually bleed people, right? Traditionally, I'm sure you've heard this from other medicines. We never, as far as I know, use leeches, but we would bleed people to release heat. If we can release a few drops of blood, we can even lower a person's temperature. Now, this is not something we do anymore as yeah. practitioners yeah. because it's a biohazard. But um, getting a period is like Mother Nature's way of being able to release that heat through the blood. So especially with COVID, you know, COVID is a hot illness. At least it has been and is changing, you know, acclimating to our society. It's no longer, you know, it isn't a virus's best interest to keep your host alive. So viruses have to evolutionarily change and shift, right? In order to keep their ability to live, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, hot diseases like COVID need an exit and so a lot of times women naturally will start a period, which is a perfect way for us to release that heat and some of the toxins of the virus itself. So what how do men do it? 
Yeah. So this is an interesting thing. You know, men tend to be more fiery in general, sure. right? They have more of a temper. Temper. They're more, um, I wouldn't say, you know, in today's society, women, you know, we have a lot of, um, we're very career oriented and we've taken on some masculine tendencies as the provider um, and the protector sometimes in our houses, a lot of single moms, but traditionally <laughs> men were more the provider and the protector and they could get haunted under their collar when things went wrong or if something was amiss within their family. Women tend to be more soft, right? We're the more yin of the two. Men are more yang, hot and fiery. Women are more yin. One of the reasons why we believe women are yin is that we menstruate right? We lose substance and we tend to be softer, right? And so for men, you know, that expression could happen in many different ways to release heat, but usually it would be through the bowels and the urine is how they would release. And so if I have a, a patient that comes in who's constipated or having trouble with urination, I have to open that up right away because I need that exit. But yeah, this is why men tend to be more, um, what would you say? Fiery. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Not all men are, of course, men can be yin as sure, well. Sure. But the tendency is when, when we think of the two sexes, yeah. you know, when are, women are more calm yeah. and nurturing and men are more like fiery and providing and doing right. Fixing. But isn't that crazy? Like I've lived my whole life and I, of course we know those personality characteristics, but you don't know why. And now it's like, that makes complete sense to me. It's mind blowing. Yeah. You know, Chinese medicine is really based on nature and I should say East Asian medicine, <laughs> it, but it's really based on nature. We Which basically, makes complete sense. yeah, we took that map and applied it to the body. So that's what I want to talk about. I mean, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's two ways to practice acupuncture. There's actually many. Okay. And so I apologize if I've given you the message no. that there's only two <laughs> forms of acupuncture. Okay. Okay. There's actually many different theories. Okay. Um, the type that we are taught here in California, um, where I went to school is more, it was called TCM, traditional Chinese medicine at the time. Okay. And it is when, you know, when there was the revolution back in the fifties, um, the communist revolution, I should say actually before the fifties, but the fifties is when it came here. Um, when the communist revolution happened in China, they kind of formed recipes of acupuncture. They took our big, broad, many different theory of acupuncture and herbalism and moxa and all the things we do. And they put it into recipes to get the workers in and out, right? They wanted the workers back in the fields, back in the factories, basically producing. And so they made recipes of acupuncture. And so when we're in school, we learn these somewhat recipes, like what points are used for what ailments. And we're never really taught why. We're just taught that this point works here and this point works here and you should use them and they work great, but we've never been given really the theory in school. School is really made for safety and ethics sure. and so that you can pass the board, that you can be this person out in the world that's providing safe, um, ethical medicine. Um, but we, we don't really get the acupuncture theory, but the school I went to is very herbal based. So there was a lot of herbal theory. So when I graduated, as a clinician, which is really what I am, 
I wanted to find out how could I provide the best care for my patients? Like, how could I get the biggest bang for the buck? If I only get so much time with you, how can I really fix your elbow pain or your menstrual cramps? And so I went on and studied with some teachers after I graduated, and I practiced what's called the balance method. And this is very much acupuncture theory. And it's beautiful because this particular theory can pretty much explain all the things. I'm sure you've seen me when I'm like, I'm going to get my cheat pad. No, you're literally, <laughs> literally a guru. <laughs> I'll be like, okay, this is stumping me. Let me go get my cheat sheet. And She's I will like, look oh. up. I actually have a little cheat oh, sheet. Oh, you do? Yeah. I don't know if you've seen no, me grab it. So every once in a while within the balance method, there's many different systems. And if the system I'm using is not working and all the ones that I normally use, there's usually three out of the six. Um, if none of them are working, I will go and get my cheat sheet. And it's based on this theory of the balance method, which has to do with the I Ching, which is a whole nother discussion, but it is part of this very <clears throat> traditional yin yang theory. And, um, it allows me to treat anything, but occasionally I will be like, okay, this is stumping me. I need to go get my cheat sheet. So we do have a theory based on what channel is having dis-ease that we can go and look up and anyone can do it, um, that knows acupuncture, but it is different than more of what we learned in school, the traditional Chinese method. Um, there was also Japanese acupuncture at my school, um, and Korean hand acupuncture, neither of which I actually studied hand hand oh, specific yeah. for the yeah, hand. Just hand. Acu There's also, and you see, I do a little auricular when I put needles in yeah. your ear, yeah. there is a, a microsystem that is in our ear as well. And so I do implement that. I use that as well in our treatments, but there is so many, I mean, so many, I can't even. Okay. If only I had multiple lifetimes to yeah. learn all the different you theories. Would. Yeah. <laughs> I know you would. So I've done acupuncture with a different practitioner prior and just for example, obviously I don't understand, but let's say I have pain like right here uh, in my hand. Um, that acupuncturist would put the needle in my hand. And then if I go to you and I say a pain in my hand, you follow a channel and you put it, let's say in your foot, in my foot. What can you explain? Yeah. <laughs> both of those and what that means. So in the balance method, we don't treat locally. Okay. What I found clinically with what I learned from school is oftentimes people will come in with back pain and we were taught to actually treat them locally there. We would put needles in where their pain was. Oh, okay. Sometimes that helps. Sometimes that made my patients feel much worse actually. And it's not a very good selling point if your practitioner <laughs> makes you hurt yeah. more, yeah, right? Yeah. And so I found that I needed something different. So that's when I found balance method. And essentially what we're doing is whenever we're treating the limbs, we have three joints, right? On each limb, shoulder, elbow, ankle, or a wrist okay. on our legs, hip, knee, ankle. Okay. Basically what we do is we can image those. Like if we were, you know, standing in Chinese medicine, you know, our anatomical pose is one where our hands are up essentially, instead of the one like this, which is more Leonardo da Vinci. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so essentially, if we're looking at those joints, whether it's the first or the third joint, I can go to the limb, and we usually go opposite side, and I would choose one, two, or three. Which joint am I going to use? Now, I could use your hip 
for your wrist pain or hand pain oh, wow. too. But that's kind of um, hard to get to. We would need some sheets. You know, it's not very uh, private, yeah. right? We I feel always like it would freak to, me out a little bit. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. It would freak me out too. Yeah. So I choose the ankle. The ankle is usually quickly and easily accessible, as is the foot. So we would look for channels that mirror what's happening in your hand and what their partners are. And I would look at your foot and I would start palpating, which we do, and I would find tender spots. And that's your body basically saying, yes, please put a needle here. I'm asking your body when we work together what it needs. I never pretend to know that I know better than your body. Your body will tell me what it needs. And so that's why I'm pressing around many times and asking, is it tender here? Is it tender here? Is it tender here? Which not every provider does. That is my own, like that is the art of how I practice. Um, but I believe your body, I'm asking your body and your body is telling me what, what it needs and what would be, you know, best. So that's exactly, I mean, that's what we do every week or push or like, is it tender? Is it tender than the most? That's where <laughs> yeah. you put the needle? Yeah. Okay. Because I don't see where the needle goes. Yeah. So I think of acupuncture kind of like a dartboard. Mm. And so of course the bullseye, right? Scores the most points. And so I like to win. <laughs> I'm a little competitive. Um, and so I'm looking for that basically bullseye and I'm asking your, your body. And that's why sometimes it's minuscule, like yeah. the little shift I'm making. I'll be like, here, 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 here. You know, and I'm asking you and you're telling me, yes, no, yes, no, more there. And then you'll be like, ah, that one. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for. Okay. And then sometimes when, let's say when I have back pain, um, you tell me like when I go home to press on that, is that that same tender position or what? Yeah. Yeah. So wherever it was most tender for you throughout our session, mm -hmm. sometimes I'll put magnets on. Yeah. Now with back pain, a lot of times we use your hand, which is so lovely. A lot of times I can have people walk too. I'll put in some needles and I'll have them walk. Like oh. if they came in and they couldn't walk, they couldn't stand straight. I'll put in needles and make them walk. Cause I need to make sure that what I'm doing is working. Yeah. yeah, yeah now, yeah. if I put the needles in your back, you're not going to be able to get up yeah. right, and walk around so easily. And so I'm always checking to make sure that it is the strongest point for us to use. Now with the hand, a lot of times magnets don't really stick very often, right? With all the hand washing and stuff. So that's why I'll tell you, please press these points here. So you're basically doing self acupressure on yourself. Um, but it does have an effect. I'm sure you felt it. If oh, you go home it, it's and, a yeah. relief. So for the lower, let's just say lower left back, where's the right hand, right hand here. Yep. Okay. That's what I remember. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So there's a couple different systems, Yeah. but basically on that, our, our metacarpal that's here, the second metacarpal on your hand, we can image the spine. And so the lower back is more where the thumb and the pointer finger meet Okay. and the neck would be more up here. So I can treat your whole back on this one bone. And that's part of this balance method, which is just like amazing, yeah. right? That I can just have this small space. I once, um, had a patient who was uh, in a lot of pain and the only place I could access on her was her shoulder at the time. And I was able to do this method and she was actually passing a kidney stone and oh she God. finally took a breath. And it was just by using the channels and imaging on her shoulder and, um, 
it, I mean, it just is extraordinary. And I, I've had many people come in that are passing kidney stones and actually they know they're passing kidney stones? Yes. And, and they've they been come? sent home and their doctors are like, take, take painkillers, you know, hydrate, strain your urine essentially. So we can see when the stone passes Yeah, and they come in and it's the first time they've slept in days. Um, you can see them visibly relax on the table. You know, people suddenly will start like, like a deep inhalation and exhalation and their eyes will close a little bit. And that's when I know that we've gotten that sweet spot and we've helped their pain because they actually get to relax. And so it's, you know, we can treat pretty intense pain levels of pain with acupuncture. I remember I'll just, I'll get personal here a time when I had incredibly incredibly difficult back pain. And it literally, when I saw on your table, you worked your, I call it her magic. I felt the pain leave my body. It literally fell out of my body. Yeah. I, I mean, think it, that's when I was like, like oh my foot. God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was, I, I, I'm a believer at that point. I mean, what is that? Yeah. So, you know what? It's funny because my my biggest cheerleaders and the one that go the ones that go out and tell the world about acupuncture are usually the ones that come in and have the least amount of belief to begin with. They're like non-believers. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that's what makes it so extraordinary, right? Yeah. And that why they're so passionate about spreading the world is be, word is because they were like, this is not going to work. Like, I do not believe this whatsoever. Yeah. You're like, and okay. then the fact that it works, it is like magic. And sometimes I have to tell you, I feel like it's magic too. You know, it just, it's mind blowing to me that this system works so well. I'm always in awe of how my patients respond and what they tell me, you know, I never know what the needles are going to do. I just know that this system works. And so I trust yeah. that. Yeah. Um, oftentimes it's moving, you know, for our, in our medicine, when there's pain, it's because the chi is stuck basically. So all we need to do is help it move, which is what you felt and the pain goes away. And so sometimes it'll go down the channel. Sometimes it'll just disappear. Sometimes it'll move across the body. You know, and we do a little chasing and I'm sure I'll be like, is it here? Did it move? Did it change? Yeah. Where is it now? Yeah. And you know, I, I explain it like it's a tenant that you're trying to evict <laughs> bad tenant that's been squatting, um, or maybe just a squatter and that we're trying to get it out of the house, but it will choose to go hide in the bathroom or maybe it's in the bedroom closet. Yeah. And I have to just keep chasing it until we make sure that it's gone, right? That it, that, that chi has moved. It's no longer stuck and creating that pain. What is chi? Chi is that energy. So chi, chi is what acupuncture is based on. It is invisible, right? There's no, we can't touch it, feel it, see it, but we know that it exists because our medicine works essentially. But we think of it like the channels are basically like small subway systems within your body and the chi moves through there. It usually runs along the course, like the same course as blood, but not necessarily, but it runs throughout the body. It is what we believe helps the body move, you know, is the wisdom of the cells. Like how do cells even do what they're supposed to do? I mean, how, how, like we are extraordinary human beings are this really complicated machine. And the fact that there's all of this communication that's happening, some known so much, we don't know. The more we learn, the more we realize we don't know. The fact that we even exist at all, what is that? You know, we would say that's chi. Chi is what gives us the energy of life. So 
I've heard you, I mean, say about me sometimes, like you have the chi, sometimes you don't have. With the needles? Yeah. When I'm doing them? Yeah. So when I'm needling, have you ever gone fishing? I mean, a couple times. (laughs) Okay. So when I was young, I used to go fish with my grandfather and we always had a bobbin. I don't know if you know, like you would cast in your line and then you would sit there, you know, and you're these good little kids in the boat, you know, trying to be patient and trying to feel what it feels like to get a fish, right? And so the bobbin that's on the water is kind of your indicator if anything is being bitten from the hook that's way down below. Sometimes you can feel the hook. Like once you learn the sensation, right, when you fish, you can feel when somebody's nibbling at the hook. But the bobbin that's there on the water is really your indicator. And when you see it bob up and down, you know that something is nibbling on that hook. So you're learning what that sensation feels like. Essentially, with acupuncture, what we're doing is I'm I'm sensing like, is it nibbling at me? When there's chi, it will actually grab the needle. Like it it pulls the needle in a way where I can feel that it's it's been taken by the body. Sometimes if I don't get chi, it'll feel like butter. It's like I'm putting the needle in butter and there's like nothing that's really grabbing. Okay. So that's the chi that I'm talking about when we discuss like when I'm actually needling you. Yeah. It's like, did it grab? Do I feel like there's something there that's that's holding that needle for me rather than just slipping through butter? Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, your analogies are perfect. They make complete sense. Okay. <laughs> um, so you practice fertility, male and female and pain as well. Right. I mean, really anything that walks through the door, right. I have migraines. I have asthma. Of course, people come to me when they're sick, you know, chronic back pain, knee pain. Um, I have patients with autoimmune diseases. You know, I have all sorts of you name it, probably I've seen it. Um, of course, anxiety, depression, insomnia, all of all I mean, to get all of the above. All of them to get to the balance. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that place of homeostasis, essentially, okay. if you want to use that term. Homeostasis. Yeah. Okay. So, it, so if you were to answer the question, what can acupuncture do, or what is the goal? It's to get you back to homeostasis. Yes. Okay. And I would really probably say, why can't it do? I mean, honestly, it is. It is mind blowing to me every day the magic that happens every day or every day. Oh yeah. I'm surprised every day. Like I just, sometimes it's, you know, it's like unimaginable what my patients tell me and, you know, whether it's mental, emotional, or spiritual, physical, you know, Chinese medicine, we don't pull it, it all comes together. So that's why when we talk about things, we might start with maybe physical pain, but then we start talking about, you know, how are you feeling? What happened last week? Were you stressed out? You know, there is a mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual aspect to what we do. It it comes together. And so even if I'm treating someone's pain, yeah. the, the manifestation of that mentally, emotionally, spiritually also changes. And, you know, I see people come in the next week and I'm like, who is this person? Wow. <laughs> you know, even my front office staff is like, is that the same person that was here last week? Because they are dramatically different, just their mannerisms, who they are, how they hold themselves. Like acupuncture, yes, people come in the door often for some sort of physical ailments, but when they leave, 
you know, even though we, we sometimes just hit on it, not everybody is comfortable talking about all these things. And of course, over time, as we get to know each other, we talk more, but you know, there's, they transcend wherever they've been physically, emotionally, spiritually, each time they come in, you know, they're shifting and changing. Yeah. I mean, I can speak, I can attest to that. I mean, I every single time I open the door and I walk into the room, I feel a sense of calm come over me. Even if it's like crazy, I'm a trial lawyer. It's crazy out there. I come in and it's a different world. So transcend is exactly the word I would have described. So thanks for using that. It's crazy. Um, let's talk about fertility acupuncture. Let's talk about women first, and then we can move to men. What is fertility acupuncture? So essentially fertility acupuncture is just acupuncture, right? It's just that I specialize in this. So I know a lot more about, of course, women's menstrual cycles or fertility cycles in general, the ovarian cycle, you know, how we recruit eggs, how we ovulate, you know, what you, what your body should be doing every month. You know, we are like the tide. We ebb and flow every month. The moon pulls us just like it does the tide. Um, And so we talk a lot in fertility acupuncture about menstrual cycles. I need to know what's happening, whether it is a natural conception cycle that we're going for or IVF or IUI, you know, we, we get to know each other intimately and, and, you know, what my patient's periods are doing is very important. tells me the quality of their blood. So, you know, being a fertility acupuncturist, I just focus a lot on all of that. Of course, there's a lot of integration now with Western medicine and what REs are doing as far as IVF with drugs and the cycles. And and luckily I've worked in the field for a long time now, and I know a lot of the reproductive endocrinologists in San Diego and how they're using their medicine. So I have some idea when my patients come in based on what doctor they're seeing, how, you know, what kind of structure they're using for their cycle. So there is some integration there, Mm -hmm. but honestly, any acupuncturist could treat fertility because we always, as acupuncturists, gynecology and obstetrics was our first, basically, um, our first specialty in Chinese medicine. You know, we have literature like 1500 years old based on this because we knew this was a very special part of a woman's life. And so a woman's health, we will always ask, regardless if you're coming in for pain or headache, it it, it won't even be menstrual related. We are asking about the menses because it gives us an indication of the health of that patient. So we already know a lot about menstruation and what a cycle should look like. So really any acupuncturist honestly could treat fertility. I just have gone on and done studies specific for fertility and really getting to intimately know all of these different cycles. And then also having this integration with Western medicine, whether it's the pharmaceuticals they're using or just understanding how the recruitment process works for them and transfer cycles and all of those, you know, details essentially. So I want to do fertility acupuncture one-on-one. Okay. So someone goes to a reproductive endocrinologist. Um, I think now they're starting to say, go to acupuncturists in addition to this. Yes. Correct. So what is it that, I don't know if the word is, is advantage or what is it about doing fertility acupuncture alongside, let's say IVF. Okay. So 
geez, several years ago, there it's on my website, but there was some literature that came out, some research that was done that showed integration of acupuncture and IVF cycles together. And it was early 2000. So it's been a while. There's been more studies since then. But basically what this study showed is the integration of the two increases chances of a baby, not just conception, but a baby. Sometimes it's termed a take-home baby, which I don't particularly like that. So I would say a baby <laughs> um, by 60% or more. Um, and so that study really kind of injected all sorts of fervor within our society, um, both from an acupuncture standpoint and the IVF world as well. Now it took a while for all the doctors to get on board, but since then there's been more studies that have come out. And now the clinicians are even noticing that when their patients are doing acupuncture, that they're less stressed. They respond better to the medication. Um, we get better quality, you know, gametes, whether that's sperm and or egg, um, that the transfer cycles are more successful, you know, that there basically there is a plus to all of this. And because we're doing acupuncture, most of us are not doing herbs. Once a patient, for me, I'm very conservative. Once a patient is going into a cycle where they're going to be starting all the medication, anything that I was giving them before we come off of, because really I want their body to be really a hundred percent working with those drugs, right? I don't want to ever have any conflicting factors, but also I don't want to send anything that would divert from the goal, which is recruitment of eggs would be the beginning of an IVF cycle. Of course, transfers the second half, but essentially we pull back. And so we just use acupuncture, you know, acupuncture is really quite safe you know, I treat pregnant women and postpartum women, you know, we can treat babies and children with acupuncture. I mean, it is safe. You might get a bruise at the side of a needle. Um, relaxation is our biggest side effect. So, you know, that's great. So it's, it's a safe adjunct to IVF that the doctors are finally seeing really makes a difference. And really it is more just how the patient is showing up for the cycle. I don't know if you've had that experience that just like, you're so relaxed when you leave, whatever you go to next, right. You're more clear headed and calm every time. <laughs> so whether it's going to trial or going to your appointment with your reproductive endocrinologist, you're going in, in this very different state rather than that frenetic stressed out state. And what we do know is that stress is a factor with fertility, you know, let's talk about that. Talk about that. Yeah. So it's, you know, they say the statistics are a third is the egg. A third is the sperm from a fertility standpoint where the problem is. And a third is unknown. It is now speculated that that unknown third is stress, you know, and it's interesting because evolutionarily we didn't have this fight or flight that we have now that we pretty much have consistently. I mean, people talk about it all the time, right? We're, we're so overstimulated between our phones, our computers, you know, being pinged all the time, maybe it's social media, all the demands. I mean, even when you're driving down the road, the billboards, you know, how many cars are on the street, all the lights, you know, the noise, we are constantly bombarded all the time where we feel like we're running from a lion. 24 seven, essentially we go to bed with our phones, you know, they're pinging us during the night. You know, we don't really get a break. Whereas, you know, a long time ago, we would have this time of reprieve 
right? We might have to run from a lion literally back in the day. But then once we got to safety, we would shift. Our neurotransmitters would shift. Now pretty much we're sending all of these neurotransmitters that are stress chemicals, right? Constantly. You know, we've talked about reproduction is optional. You know, reproduction is not part of our daily life as far as our daily activities, right? Of living, right? Getting from A to B, eating, surviving, you know, all of those things, you know, we, and especially having very stressful jobs that we do now too, you know, most of my patients are executives, attorneys, CFOs, CEOs, you know, can I cuss on your like yeah, of course. kick ass women, yeah, I'm go just going to say <laughs> kick ass women that are taking, like are seizing life, right? They're taking life by the horns and they're just going for it. Hell yeah. Yeah. And so these women are very goal oriented, you know, they run hot and fast and they're doers, right? And so the level of stress that they're under just with the person they are, they don't realize they're under stress. Yeah. It's their normal. But, you know, so we never really get to shut off. They are so goal oriented that they're thinking about the next thing all the time. And so in the body, the body thinks we're in a state of distress, right? This constant level of stress. There's you stress and there's distress, right? Some stress is good, but this is more like distress. We're running from the lion 24 seven, planning our next place 24 seven. So the body's like, Hey, we're running from a lion 24-7. We don't have time to get pregnant. We don't have the resources to get pregnant. We cannot facilitate basically nurturing another life within ourselves when we're that stressed out. So this is why when I'm like, reproduction is optional, unless you're making space for it and taking time out and letting yourself shift from that place of stress into this place of relaxation, your body's not going to think it's an okay time to get pregnant and to basically gestate a baby for nine to 10 months. That's a long time. That's a big commitment. And if we're constantly stressed out and don't have the resources, the body will choose and it will choose that it's not the time. Did that answer your question? Yes. Okay. It did. It did. <laughs> um, I have so many questions. Um, so you mentioned earlier about, um, you're a woman like for fertility acupuncture, she's coming to you and you're working on the blood. What does that mean? So when we're getting ready, so from an IVF perspective, right, there's the retrieval part of the program where we go in and we retrieve how many eggs we're going to get. If we're doing an egg freezing cycle, they'll just go and they'll be frozen, right? If we're going to be making embryos, we'll then get the sperm fertilized. A lot of the embryos nowadays get tested. And so they'll biopsy them and then freeze them. So we get this time in between a retrieval cycle and when we do transfer. So a lot of times with the retrieval cycle, what we're working on is egg quality, the way your body's responding to the medication. When we get time for the transfer cycle, we're focused on blood because blood, right? In the lining of the uterus is basically where the embryo is going to live. We need to make sure that blood is the best it can be. So that embryo has a nice, welcoming, warm, cozy place to basically embed itself and live, right? It needs all the nourishment there. And so we think of it as what we call preparing the palace. So we do go through this process of preparing the palace and we probably haven't, I haven't said it to you in that way, but essentially we're preparing that space to receive the embryo, 
receptivity is a very yin thing. So we've talked about the yin and yang. Now in my women who are type A kick-ass women, they have a lot of yang tendencies, right? They're out doing, right? They're not really receiving. So during that time of preparing the palace, we're starting to work on receiving and that blood being receptive. So this is when we would start working on things like, is there enough blood? Is the blood sticky? Is the blood thick? Um, is, are we heavily bleeding? You know, is there heat there? Right. Um, is it stuck? Is it making clots? Is it painful? There's many different things that could happen to the blood. And this is why menstruation is so important to all of us because it's like a microcosm, right? We're seeing what's happening on the micro level. Um, and so it's giving us an indication that's really what's happening on the macro level, but we're able to get like eyeballs in the same with sperm, which we'll talk about, but it is this microcosm macrocosm kind of thing. We're seeing things when they're amiss in this small microscopic space so that we can prevent them from, from becoming something bigger later in life. So even when we're, <laughs> even when we're preparing for a transfer cycle and working on the blood. Really what we're always doing as acupuncturists and East Asian um, physicians is essentially we're really working at like the whole lifetime of our patient. I mean, we've had this conversation, you know, whenever a woman gets a period, I, I always tell them, focus on blood building foods for the rest of your life. Like in this lifetime, while you're menstruating, every time you get a period, we need to rebuild, right? Because we're losing substance yeah. as women. So even though we're talking about right now, what's happening in this cycle or with that patient at that moment, acupuncturists are always looking ahead too for a patient's longevity, just so that they can be the healthiest person on the, you know, that they want to be right. go out and do work, good work on the planet for however long they want to. So just so I've been borderline anemic my whole life. I came to you, you've worked your magic. You, you told me I had. What is blood that? deficiency. Blood deficiency. Yeah. How did you, and it wasn't from a blood test. It was from your own diagnostic. Yes. So blood deficiency is a big umbrella. It can include anemia, iron deficiency anemia. It could include pernicious anemia, which has to do with B vitamins, B12. It can also just mean our blood volume is decreased. So for us, again, we didn't have labs. We didn't know right. there was iron. We didn't know there was B vitamins. But what we could tell is by feeling the pulse there, your radial artery, essentially it should feel like a piece of yarn. Sometimes my patients come in and it feels like a piece of string. When it feels like a piece of string, it means the blood volume is not sufficient. We would consider that blood deficiency. Most of those parents, uh, patients would have, um, you know, scanty periods, or maybe they bleed super heavily right. and that's what's depleting them. Right. But oftentimes we will eventually see other blood deficiency signs, which would be scanty periods, dry eyes, dry lips, dry mouth, dry skin. You know, we might even get some eyelid twitching. If there's stress, there's certain particular things, cramping in the muscles, things that we would look for if we knew there was blood deficiency. Once we know that, of course, we treat it, right? We would want to really rebuild blood, in particular from a fertility perspective, because that lining is so crucial. It needs to be really receptive. If we have a thin lining in there, there's nothing for that embryo to really implant in, right? It's like, 
you know, plush carpet versus like a wood floor, mm-hmm. right? You know, the plush carpet is going to be like this, like sea anemone. <laughs> it's like waiting for that embryo. You know, when we have like a wood floor, what is it? It can't implant on anything. I think of the embryo cozying up like you would with like your favorite cup of tea and your couch, you know, with a good book, right? And a blanket. You really want to cozy up. That was a great up. visual. And so that's oftentimes when my patients are going in for their transfers, that's what we're talking about. Like, hey, where's your favorite partner house? Where do you like to sit? Do you have a favorite blanket? What's your favorite tea? Like, this is what we're doing for this embryo is preparing this space that they really want to like nuzzle in and stay a while. Like get your favorite biscuits or your favorite cookies. Make sure there's plenty there, you know? Yeah. Have some magazines. Yeah. So I'm happy to report you did cure my anemia. <laughs> okay, good. Um, and I ate more liver than I've ever had in my life. Yes. Uh, lamb liver is my favorite. and with supplements as yes. well. Um, yeah. How important are supplements in this conversation? So it's interesting because, you know, traditionally we didn't have supplements, right? We had food. Oh, good point. We yeah. had food. Yeah, and this you did is why that. food yeah. is so important. Yeah. So, you know, for us, red meat is a big source of blood, of course. And we know that from a Western standpoint too, it's iron rich. Uh, red meat broth is really important, especially, you know, broth is one of those things that's already wet, right? It's a fluid. So it's immediately helping that volume, right? We don't have to break it down and digest like it. Like pho. Pho would be great. Any sort of sipping broth that anyone likes, you know, I'll even tell patients, you know, have a vegetable soup, but put it in sort of bison, some sort of bison or beef broth. Um, but that would be a great way. It's a really quick vehicle to nourish blood, right? Um, we also believe that red fleshed fruits and veggies also nourish blood. Oh yeah. The red and the greens. Reds and greens. Yeah. Exactly. And then the dark leafy greens, chlorophyll is basically the blood of the plant. So we believe by eating, you know, chlorophyll rich foods, which are normally dark leafy greens, kale, chard, mustard greens, dandelion greens, spinach, you know, any of the seaweeds, um, chlorella, spirulina, all of these and we know that spirulina is like a superfood and has B vitamins and all the things now. But basically by eating reds and greens, we're nourishing blood. So any of my patients that have a thin pulse, this would be something we would always recommend as with even my patients that have sufficient blood whenever we have a period, right? Yeah. So food is our primary just because it's so easy and food yeah. is safe, right? So if we're yeah. going through an IVF cycle, we come off of most supplements unless the doctors have okayed them, right? We always need doctor's approval with everything. Yeah. Um, so food is our medicine at that point. Nowadays, we do have supplements that we can take to nourish blood. Um, and some of them contain iron, but not all. Mm-hmm. And of course, traditionally we had our herbs. So I do use herbs a lot. When someone's not in an IVF cycle, we would be using herbs. Okay. Yeah. And obviously there's no, um, you and I have talked about this before. There's no cookie cutter way to work on one's fertility, for example. Correct. Um, there's no take these five supplements, these five herbs and this IVF medicine, right? So there are some general supplementation that you could do that's been researched. But for us, like what? I don't know that I should give that information oh, okay. fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. just in case, because I would never want to give information and then somebody have an allergic reaction. Okay. Fair enough. So, but of course, a prenatal always right for, but they have men 
prenatals now too, essentially for a lack of a better term. Okay. There's lots of fertility blends that people can find generic fertility blends online. Um, of always a multi for men too, if they're not on a fertility blend. And remember multivitamins and prenatals are just filling in the gaps of what people are missing through their diet. So it's a good, just kind of bolster okay. to have, right? Okay. So right away, if somebody is having fertility challenges, whether male or female, I would definitely recommend some sort of multivitamin, right? And then from there, you know, our medicine is very individualized. There can be a hundred different reasons for blood deficiency. You know, we've talked about some of them together, but it could really be different depending on who's coming through the door. And so it's really important for me to figure out a patient's pattern. And so that's why we're touching their pulse, that radial pulse, looking at their tongue, asking questions, looking at your face. You know, there's a lot of things we're doing diagnostically that you probably don't even know are happening in the treatment room because we're trying to really figure out the pattern. Once we treat that pattern specifically, you get better, right? And this is why every once in a while you'll see me reassess, like in the room, I'll be like, huh. Let me ask a few questions to make sure that I'm still on the right track because maybe I'm not getting the effect that I would like with whatever supplementation we're doing or the treatment we're doing. And so I have to reassess, am I still treating the correct thing or has it changed? So it's very individualized. Um, I think something that I find interesting that you've taught me as well is um, I've heard a lot of just stories generally about success stories, um, and visualization in fertility. Um, and I remember one story you told me about a, a patient that, um, she had two embryos left and everyone was like, you know, you know, accept it. It's probably not going to happen. And then she had a vivid, vivid manifestation visualization. And lo and behold, she had Almost. She had one embryo one. left, but she wanted one. two Even children. Even crazier. Okay. She had yeah. one embryo left, two children, which is what she would wanted. And so, you know, we had long discussions like, should we go in for another retrieval cycle? You have one embryo. I know you want two children. And she was adamant. She came to me. She had already done IVF prior to seeing me and she had not such a great experience. So we worked together actually almost a year. It was during the pandemic. So a lot of things were closed down, Yeah. Um, but we were considered essential. So people could come and see us. And in fact, I was seeing my patients more than their doctors were just because they were all doing telehealth. Um, and so we worked a lot during that year to prepare for whatever was to come next. She had decided she was going to try naturally. She did that for about three months and then she decided to do IVF again. And lo and behold, through her retrieval cycle, we got one embryo that was tested that was normal. And so, you know, I was like, it was a nail biter for me. Cause I was like, are you sure you don't want to go in and do another retrieval? And she was adamantly pushed. She's like, I'm done. I can't do it ever again. Like it was a lot for her. And it is a lot, you know, retrieval cycles are stressful on my patients. It's a lot to ask of them. And so she decided, no, we have one embryo. We're going to go for it. And she put up a vision board. And next thing you know, she wanted two sons and her embryo split and she ended up with identical twin boys. Yeah. It was phenomenal. And it was such an interesting experience for me too, because here I am the one that's normally visualizing. And I was starting to doubt, like, I'm sure, are you sure you don't want to go back in, you know? And I was stressed about it that we only, and I was, you know, cause sometimes they don't always take, even when they're 
they're tested. You know, it, it doesn't happen as often anymore. But back in the day before testing, I mean, we would go through so many embryos before we would get a baby. And it was heartbreaking for my patients. And so now we get to test, which increases their success significantly. But there still is a small percentage that won't take. And so, you know, for me, I was really worried about this patient. And then here she manifested all of this basically magic. And now she has two beautiful young men in her life. Wow. So it was a good lesson for me that, you know, it made me really question, you know, where, where am I at too, as a provider, you know, like sometimes when we read a lot of statistics and research, you know, we forget that there's still magic, you know, and that things are possible. And so your question was at, at that time, I remember when we were talking about it, you know, in, in Chinese medicine, we have this saying where the mind goes, the chi flows. So if we're thinking about, I really want a baby and I can't have a baby, I really want a baby and I can't have a baby. <laughs> surprisingly, the body will make fibroids in the uterus. It's putting something there right? Because the, the person saying, I want a child, but they're also caught in this loop of something's wrong with me and I'm not able to get pregnant. The body is responding by putting something there, right? It's filling that space that the patient is wanting filled. It's just filling it with something that we don't really want, right? And so we see that a lot with fibroids. I have a lot of patients that come in with fibroids from a fertility perspective, and they've been wanting children for a long time. And so we have to talk about just shifting the mental kind of dialogue, right? I am healthy. I am capable. You know, my body knows what to do. Just trusting the process rather than filling in and having that more like self-limiting mm -hmm. view because the body will listen to us. It's trying to do what we've asked. Self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Yeah. So this is why, you know, this patient was such a good reminder for me because I talk to patients about it all the time. Like, what is it that you want? I need you to look at it. I need you to see it. I need you to feel it, taste, smell it, you know, have it envelop you, right? Because that's bringing it in. Your mind will help your chi fulfill that for you. I mean, it's mind-blowing because we talk about manifestation in so many areas of life, right? Like I want this, I'm going to think about this and I'm going to act towards it, but it literally works for your body. It works for this lady that wanted two kids. I mean, it's, to me, it's mind blowing. Yeah. I've had two patients like that. Really? Yeah. Tell, tell me. So another one came in and she had, she had done her cycle prior to meeting me. She had gone through all of her transfers and she only had one embryo left. And she wanted boys, two boys. And so I only knew her during that time. I met her just maybe a month before her transfer. And here manifested twin boys. No yeah. Way. So another one. And it was almost like back to back. You know, it was such a wild time because you just never know. How long have you been practicing? I am actually. So last night I woke up and I was thinking that <laughs> I think I'm in my 19th year of practice now. Yeah. So it's changed a lot. Fertility has changed a lot in the last 19 years. I mean, dramatically technology has come a long way. All the things we can learn about ourselves has come a long way. It's just the things we can track now. What have you learned about women in 19 years? Uh, women are 
you know, we are a complicated machine. All of our hormones are very intricate and everything is basically, you know, there's this whole feedback loop that's constantly happening amongst our body. And it is a beautiful dynamic that's occurring, but it, there is a level I would say of magic to us because it is phenomenal that we can get pregnant, that we can have babies, that we can birth babies. And even through all the pain of labor and delivery that we want to do it again. And so we are complicated. And I think sometimes we forget how beautiful and dynamic our system is and that we're really powerful too. And I think women through the fertility journey lose sight of that because they think they're broken Mm -hmm. and they have this belief at a certain point that things aren't working and that, um, you know, they don't know how to fix it. And sometimes there's not really anything to fix. It's more just slowing down and observing and then the body will write itself too. You know, there's a lot of unknowns with stress factors. And this is why everyone says, go on vacation and you'll get pregnant. You know, it's like you've removed the stress and just slowed down a little bit so that everybody can hear each other. I mean, we are this huge feedback loop that's, that's constantly and ever changing every day. Lori, you don't often see people that are walking in their purpose. And I've told you this before, and I think you're walking in your purpose every single day and it just shines in your work. Um, I just wanted to reiterate that to you. Um, Also as a badass woman, (laughs) which you are. Um, I want to switch a little bit to talk briefly about male fertility. Yes. Uh, You work with men on fertility. Yes. Yeah. So male fertility is one of those things. Luckily nowadays we have semen analysis. So we always run a semen analysis. Either they come in with it or I can order one too. Uh, based on that, it gives me an indication of what's happening with them. Of course, we still do our traditional diagnostics, right? Tongue, pulse, all the things, because I need to know their pattern. But then we also have this extra bonus of knowing what's happening with their semen itself, what their sperm quality is, and even just what's happening within the semen. Sometimes there's infections that go unnoticed, um, inflammation, things that, again, that microcosm, macrocosm level that we're seeing things before they become a problem. And so we can correct things there in that moment that help them for the rest of their life. But it would be similar to what we do with my female patients as well. Herbs, acupuncture, supplements, lifestyle changes, dietitian or diet, I would say, if they want to see a nutritionist, a lot of them do, you know, men, I have a lot of really strong men who work out a lot. And so sometimes that's, they're already, you know, dialed in the nutrition and they don't really want to change what they're taking. And when we're, when we're working on fertility, it is like kind of a subset of life, right? It's not like an everyday thing. And so temporarily we have to take a different focus, um, and focus on that until, uh, their partners are pregnant at which time they have 12 to 14 weeks that they have to stay the course. And then after that, they can go back to their normal life should they choose to do so. But I like to keep that time frame, that momentum that we've built just in case anything was to happen with the pregnancy, ideally not, but I want to keep that momentum um, and get through that time frame before I release them. So they do see me through the first trimester as well. And then they get to go out in the world and be themselves. So it seems like it's similar holistic approach for both. 
Yes. Yeah. Again, individualized, right? Based on their tongue pulse, what their pattern is, bringing in the supplements that we know have been researched that help with their parameters that we need to work on. Um, But always keeping in mind who they are, right? Like what their pattern is, what kind of lifestyle they're leading. It really does. I mean, I talk to everybody that like, you know, it's like we're archers. And we're basically sending all these different arrows towards the bullseye, whether it's diet, you know, supplements, acupuncture, lifestyle, you know, whatever it is we're working at. It's all the same goal, but we have to come from all these different directions to just do one thing and still live the lifestyle that led to this problem isn't going to change it. So we really have to kind of table some things for a certain amount of time and really get healthy. Um, but you know, guys kind of get off easy because once they make it through that 12 to 14 week marker, then they can go about and have their beer and yeah. go cycling again and do all the things they were doing. Whereas, you know, the pregnant person has to continue <laughs> treatments and We're stay well. well. And yeah. <laughs> it's funny how that works. Yeah. <laughs> um, I often say, um, feels like in addition to acupuncture and everything, it feels like a therapy session. Um, and you're very good at that. And I think you always say you're not a therapist. You're, um, an acupuncturist is probably what I say. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. Um, we've talked about the mind visualization. Um, and we've also talked about something that I think is incredibly, as I've told you before, I think it was very life-changing and it's, this idea of detachment. Um, and we all have to practice it in order to be able to serve others in whatever capacity that is, uh, for someone that, um, practices acupuncture, you know, every day in and out of your life. Um, can you explain how you do it, how you give to each patient that's going through immense, whether it is anything in their life that's, you know, whether fertility or pain or depression or anxiety or anything that they're coming to see you for, and you give them your all. Um, I don't know how many patients you see a day, but times every week. And then you go home and you're a mother and you're a wife and you're a daughter. How do you do it? (laughs) Well, um, to be considered a full-time acupuncturist, you work you see around 32 patients a week or more. So I am a full-time acupuncturist, but I schedule myself three days a week in the office where I actually physically see patients. Now on the days off, I'm still working just in a different capacity. A lot of times texting with patients, I'm more like a boutique medicine. You know, my patients have access to me, as you know, all the time. And so luckily enough, my patients are very respectful and don't just text me on a whim. They text me when they need something. But essentially, in order for me to keep up the energy to do what I do, I cannot work in person with patients more than three days a week. Those other days a week when my children are at school, I'm caring for myself. You know, I have a pretty (laughs) rigorous self-care schedule, as my husband would say. You know, I get acupuncture myself. I go to the chiropractor. I get massage. You know, if I need therapy, I go and get a therapy. I have multiple therapists that I can (laughs) connect with. I have a homeopath. You know, and I take time for myself. Meditation is really important. You know, I love to read. I love to spend time with my animals. I exercise. So it really is about filling myself up 
so that I can go in and do the work and be present with every patient. Because essentially, as you know, I have multiple rooms going at all times in my office. And so each room I'm going into, you know, there's a moment of preparation before I enter, whether it's initially that we're first meeting for the first time that day, or when I come to let you up. And so I'm having to, you know, bring myself very into the present, knowing who I'm seeing, what we've been working on, you know, being able to meet you where you are that day and stay out of my own stuff, right? My stuff has to be really back burner. What I find is, is probably my most Zen place on the planet is my office. That is the place where I can be most present. When I get home, I'm easily triggered. I'm human like everybody else, constantly working on my own stuff, right? Inside. And so it's interesting because in my office, not so much. I'm not really triggered there. I really feel like I'm protected. And that, you know, when we've talked before about living your purpose, I feel that I'm guided often and that there is this calm that comes over me and that I'm able to hold space for others. And so it's just, it is somewhat magical and it is like a meditation in itself. And it is what brings me joy and fills me up. And I go home tired, but very fulfilled and honored that I get to do this medicine and that this is my life. You know, that I work three days a week and I'm of service to people. And even though I might not be out there making huge changes in the world, I know that the people that I'm working with, that I'm helping them achieve whatever it is that they want to fulfill in this lifetime themselves. And if I can do that, you know, every day for the rest of my life, I'm going to be the happiest person on the planet. I'm about to cry. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's it. I mean, you, you... I I like to um, end every conversation with, but you just said it is what's your purpose. Um, I think you just said what your purpose was. What's your purpose? I feel that that's to be of service, you know, and it's interesting because I used to explain it as um, decreasing suffering, you know, helping my patients, you know, have less suffered less, you know, life is tough right? When we want these things, when we're in pain, whether it's mentally, emotionally, physically, you know, fertility is a painful place for people and they're longing for something deeply. And so, you know, and for me to lessen that suffering and to be able to be part of their journey to help them achieve whatever it is, right? I mean, that is, that is really what gets me up in the morning and what keeps me going. And it really does fill my heart each day. So I would say that's it. <laughs> I think you're amazing. I think you're special. I think the world needs you and you are changing the world. Um, and I'm very grateful to be able to experience that. Um, I think we should have another conversation again, a really long conversation. Um, I think the world needs to hear you. And I've said that to you over the past year um, because I believe it. Uh, So I'm honored that you came and spoke to me today and I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. It was such a pleasure.